Welcome to another episode of Pimp Your Brilliance with Monique Malcolm, a podcast about brilliant people leveraging their passions to create their own opportunities. I aim to show you what's really possible when you shut down the course of fear and lean into your genius zone. You can learn more about this show and subscribe for updates by visiting keepchasingthestars.com backslash podcast, or come hang out with me on Instagram at starchasersonly. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, Star Chasers. Today, I have a very special guest. Um, I'm super excited to have her on the show because I call her my craft superstar. And um, she's also a Florida native, so she gets extra bonus points for that. You guys, let's be excited because we have <laughs> Amber of Damask Love. Yay! Yay! She's going to talk to us all about um, pimping your brilliance and being a DIY blogging slash craft superstar. So, hey, Amber. Hello. Hello. I'm excited. This is fun. This is my first um, podcast ever. So you're lucky to have me, right? (laughs) I am. That means you're like super exclusive. That was said with complete sarcasm. (laughs) Whatever. You're great. You're great. So I want you to introduce yourself. Um, Give us a bit of your background. Who are you? What, What do you do? You know, what's your thing? Sure. So I am, um, at this point in my life, I feel like I've had, I'm like a cat. I've had a a few different lives. Um, at this point in my life, I'm a DIY blogger. I blog at damasklove.com where I do all sorts of crafty things and inspire people to kind of tap into their crafty side with hopefully easy and approachable and fun content that gets people engaged and interested in being crafty. I also, in addition to my blog, do um, television. So I've been on a few different television shows as a craft expert and as a DIYer. Um, I've been on the Home and Family Show, which is a show on the Hallmark Channel, which I absolutely love. And I will actually be going back pretty soon to be on again. I am on the Home Shopping Network as a craft expert, where I demonstrate different cool craft tools. And I've also been on Lifetime. I've done some work there. So I've kind of like spread my wings as a DIY blogger and kind of figured out how to do that in other venues like television as well. Awesome. So again, hashtag craft superstar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know about superstar. You're a superstar. I don't care what you say. You're not going to take that from me. That is the title that I've given you. Um, Okay. All right. And I think it's awesome that you have leveraged this love of DIY and crafts into a viable career. Like you actually transitioned from a professional, like legit, legit career um, over to something else. So can you talk a bit about that? Sure. So I started to math love, um, I think it's now six years ago as a hobby with absolutely no plans of it being anything more than that. It was going to be a hobby and it was going to be something I did on the side. And while it was a hobby, my full-time job was a clinical child psychologist at the university of Miami. Um, I went to a graduate school and got my PhD in clinical child psychology. And that was my plan. I was going to be a child psychologist and you know, it's, I, I was always kind of brought up to take the 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 less risky path. So I was going to go to school, get my degree, have a career, and and that was going to be it. And then I would have my kind of my hobby on the side that would kind of fulfill my need to be creative. So that was the plan. But after blogging for a while, um, I remember getting my first email. Um, 
it was maybe three years ago now, I got an email from a company that wanted to partner with me. And up until this point, I, I wasn't getting any, like, I wasn't making a ton of money from the blog. I think if I broke even in a year, I was excited. You know, if I, if, if my tax returns were like, no, I kind of had, I owed no money, but I made no money. That was great. But this one email that I got, um, it was from a company that wanted to partner with me on some craft projects for the year. And it would be six craft projects and they were going to pay me $18,000. And I got that email and I was like, what? You're going to pay me $18,000? I didn't even know this type of money existed in the world. I did not know bloggers were making that kind of money. And, and I should say, you know, I know there are lots of bloggers out there who are making lots more money than that. But for me at that point in time, that was huge. That was like, I mean, I was, I had, I, I in my brain, I had spent that $18,000 like 20 times after they sent me that email. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be so rich. Um, so I got that email and it was after that, that I thought, you know what, maybe, maybe this could be a job. Maybe it doesn't have to be a hobby. Maybe I could actually make money doing this. And so, you know, I, I kept working with the plan that, okay, for this year, I'm going to save up one year's salary so that when I do eventually leave my full-time position as a psychologist, I will have saved up a year's salary in the event that I don't make another dime. Like if I never make another dime, I will still have a year's salary in the bank. So, um, as I saved up that money, um, I also got approached to do the home shopping network, which was another kind of revelation. Like, Oh, there are career, there are job opportunities and there are ways to make money as a creative person and as a crafter that actually can pay me and that I can actually do in love that, you know, would allow me to do this as a full-time job rather than a hobby. So, you know, over that year, I got opportunities that came across that kind of let me realize that, oh, this, this can be an actual real thing. There are people who make money doing this. So, um, I, all along the while, like I said, I was saving up the year's salary. And one day I went into a staff meeting for my full-time job as a psychologist. And, um, it was, I was already overworked and so overwhelmed and so tired and just like, oh, you know, work had become so taxing for me. And then I went into the staff meeting and during the staff meeting, I was given additional responsibility that was going to kind of put me over the edge. And mind you, they were giving me this extra responsibility. It did not mean I was, my salary was going up. I was going to make the same amount of money, but I just, having been already overworked, I was going to have even more work. And after that meeting, I was like, that's it. I'm done. I cannot do this any longer. I think I've got enough money in the bank to quit. And that Friday, the staff meeting was on a Monday. That Friday, I put in my resignation. And that was December 2015, I believe. So now a little more than a year or two ago. Um, And so that's kind of how it ended at my full-time job. And then from there, I was like, well, I'm going to do this crafting thing and we're going to see what happens. And it's been successful since then. And so I can't, I, it's, it's a true, I mean, I'm like the only person I know who gets to go to work every day, who like actually is obsessed and loves every minute of what she does, which is a huge blessing. 
That was a long, that was a long story, right? <laughs> no, but it was great. It was great because I, I love, you touched on a couple of things that I, I want to come back to a little bit later, but I love that you're real about where you started and the fact that it takes work and you didn't make a lot of money in the beginning. And I think that a oh, lot of people gosh, no. um, skirt over that part when they talk about, you know, I've gone full time and all of these things. I think that a lot of people think that people come out of the gate making a ton of money and that's not the case. No. You know, there are hard years no. where oh, it's I mean, super the, the only way, the only reason I'm able to blog full time now is because one, I had no expectation in the, in the beginning that I would ever be able to do that. I, it was only a hobby. And so that allowed me to really create content that was 100% authentic for maybe three years. I was just doing what I want. No one was, tell me what to do because I wasn't making any money from it. So for those three years, I built up unknowingly, I was building a brand that people were following. And eventually when people did start paying me, I was able to kind of stay true to what I had already built over those three years of authenticity. Um, and so I think that's the only way I did it because I think if I had started with the expectation that I would make that 18 grand or however much that company was going to pay me, um, I probably would have, the content would have been different. The content, it would have had to be different because I would have had to be doing it for the money to pay my bills. Exactly. And I think that's a, that's a fair point. Um, have you read the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? I have not read any books in like the <laughs> longest time. <laughs> I think going to graduate school made me hate reading. I, I like never read books anymore. It's so sad. I promise you, I'm not stupid. I just don't like to read books. <laughs> I don't. I don't I, honestly, I only like to read for pleasure. So mainly like fantasy, random um, story type books. So I can only listen to like self-help, creativity books, self-help and creativity books um, via audiobook. So that's one that I happen to listen to on audiobook. Oh, okay. And um, I remember yeah. her saying, like making the point that creative people, like you just shouldn't expect your creativity to make you money. Like that's just putting too much pressure um, right. when you do that. And so I, I think that's a fair point. And you kind of said the same thing. Like you came in with no expectations. Yeah, I didn't. I thought so, I would be doing it as a hobby forever. And I was kind of okay with that. And then it wasn't until, you know, year four that I was like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> and I, I think that's, that's perfectly fair. So I remember, um, so I didn't mention this, but we met initially at Alt Summit, like yes, way yes. back when. <laughs> I don't even remember what year because we've both been so many times since then. <laughs> but um, we, we met at Alt. And I remember in, I think it may have been the second time that I saw you at Alt. I remember you telling me um, that your your mom in particular wasn't really sold on the whole idea of like a no. DIY craft blog. She was kind of like, I don't know what that is. No. I don't know what that means. Yeah, no, that's um, not a real job. That's <laughs> where That is not a real job. That really was her attitude. Like I told you, I was I was raised in a house where the expectation was you go to school, you, you, my mom is a nurse, you know, she is a nurse and she is really responsible and she is a single mom. And so she really didn't have the, the luxury of risk taking when she was raising me. So she took the straight and narrow path and it's paid off great for her. I mean, she's retired now and has saved up money so she can have a good life. And so that's how I was raised to take the, the, the straight and narrow path to go to school, get your degree. You're going to have a career, you know, that's what I was going to do. And I did it. And 
So when I told her that I was going to do something that was completely different from that, she's like, wait a second, that's not a real job. What do you, what do you mean you're going to be a craft blogger? People don't, you can't make money doing crafts. That's crazy. Um, but I will tell you her tune has changed because these days, you know, now that she sees that I'm able to make a living from this and you know, I hope this isn't oversharing. I have a chronic condition called overshares disorder, but, um, I make, I do better as a, as a, as a craft DIY blogger television person than I do at, did as a psychologist, which really is a, just a sad testament to how underpaid people are in the mental health profession, but we'll do another podcast on that, I guess. Um, they, they, so once she was able to see that I was successful and that I was, you know, doing just fine and we were living a, just, our life was just fine. Um, and I will say seeing me on television hasn't hurt because that's something, you know, in her brain, if you're on TV, you must be the most famous person ever, which is not true, but it is what she thinks. <laughs> so she thinks she's like, Oh, if you're, I mean, if she, when she sees me on TV and she sees me in action and she sees me doing this, I think it finally sunk in. that Oh, she actually is doing like the real deal. And this is a legit thing. Um, so as she's come around, but at first she was like, girl, you need to get a real job and pay your bills. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you have anything that you like any things that motivated you or how did you deal with that during those times where it didn't seem as obvious that this was going to work? I mean, I, again, I didn't have the pressure of having to have it work. Like because I was working full time, that's what paid my bills. Um, and you know, every, you know, when I'm working full time, every bit of money that I had that was kind of extra discretionary money that went back into the blog. And for a lot of time, the blog was working, was functioning at a loss. You know, I did my taxes every year and it was in the hole. It was in the red, um, but that was fine. It was my hobby. So that was okay. Um, and so it wasn't really terribly stressful because I knew that, you know, we all have our hobbies and they cost money. And so if this was going to be my, the thing that I do on the side and that'll be fine. But when that changed and I realized I could do it full time, that was the shock to me. Like, oh, this can actually be a job. We're talking about money. So I, I kind of want to know um, if you feel comfortable sharing, how do you how do you actually make money as a craft blogger? Like, what are some ways that you generate income? That's the number one question. Of course, I'm OK with that question. That's, they're like, oh, people are like, oh, you're a blogger. People pay for that. <laughs> There's no one understands. So for me, um, the biggest key to being successful as a blogger has been um, really creating various streams of revenue. Because I, I, while I do know that there are many bloggers out there who can make all of their income solely from their blog, um, I'm not one of those people. So while my blog does very well um, by creating content there, um, by my doing things like television um, that, that has created an alternative kind of offline source of income that's been huge for me to be make this a sustainable um, business. Uh, for the blog, the way that I make money and the way most bloggers make money is uh, if you think of kind of the way advertisers or I'm, I'm not advertisers, but how brands spend their marketing dollars, the marketing dollars that were previously maybe going into television commercials or going into magazine ads are now being sent on people like me, either they, you might be called a blogger, you might be called an influencer. Um, 
But those dollars that were previously going to other forms of media are now being spent with people like me to create uh, original, engaging content that reaches a specific audience of people. In my case, it might be people who are really into crafts or people who are really into DIY. Um, so that's how it how I make money through the blog, and that's how most bloggers make money. Um, and you know, so anytime you see me crafting with, for example, I work with Canon, and that was a huge, huge partnership for me because. I've owned a Canon printer all my life. So when Canon came to me and asked, could I work with them? I was like, uh, yeah, of course. I don't even need you to send me the printer because I already have one in my office. Um, so those are, those are the kinds of partnerships and kind of uh, collaborations that will get you paid as a blogger. And, and I'm very fortunate to have worked with people and brands that are very authentic to what I do already. Um, I recently wrapped up a partnership with Avino and I've used Avino since I was in college. So it was not a hard thing to say yes to. Um, whereas I, there are times when you get approached by brands where you have to think twice to think, mm, is this authentic to me? And then at that point you decide, do you, do you accept it or do you not? Sounds all good. Um, and I think that people think there's just one way to make money online. Like, you know, if you have a blog, then you have to sell something or you have to do, you know, sidebar ads and things like that. But more and more, I discovered different ways that people make good money doing things that like you never would have thought of. Like when you started with this, did you think that you would be on TV? Like you're on the home shopping network. No, no, I, I, no, I did not think I'd be on television. I didn't even know how that would happen or how that could happen. Um, but it, has and it didn't it didn't occur to me but you know I think one of the the primary ways that you sustain yourself as a creative influencer or blogger is to really get creative with your revenue streams and your content streams and where they live so for me for a long time my blog was the sole sole venue for the content I was creating and then television became a, a part of it. And now I've kind of begun to leverage, um, social media as a, as an avenue for content using Instagram as a place where content can live using Facebook and Facebook live as a place where content can live because as brands recognize those different avenues of content that gives you more, options for what sort of content to offer to brands when they approach you. Maybe they don't want a full blog post. Maybe they want a video. Maybe they want a tutorial on Instagram. So getting creative with how you, you produce content outside of your blog, I think is a key to, um, staying relevant and staying, um, staying kind of like in the game and able to make this a viable, viable career. But I will say I, the blog is like, I think, I mean, I'm certainly not the expert on this, but I truly believe that your blog is your home base and it has to be because we can't rely on, you know, if, if tomorrow, which I don't think will happen, but if tomorrow Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all of them go away, I've now lost contact with, you know, 40,000 people or whatever. And the only way I can guarantee access to those people is through my blog, which I own and which I'm the boss of. 
you know, all those social media things are great and you have to use them, but they can't be your sole um, avenue for producing and sharing content. I agree with that 100%. And you just made a good point that I, I wanted to talk about because uh, not only are you hashtag craft superstar, you are I'm just also, owning it now. I'm, hash, I'm, craft, I'm craft superstar. You yeah. are. You're also <laughs> innovative in the content that you produce. So I absolutely love your Insta stories. They are so funny to me. Oh. Um, <laughs> you share like the most random things, but I love how you leverage it because we get a sense of you, your personality. We see behind the scenes. You're encouraging people to go over to your Facebook Live when it's time. Um, you know, you share bits of your family. And now you started with those swipe tutorials. Smart I mean, hashtag know. ever. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we'll see. I don't know. I think I think it's so clever. And like you just said, it's another creative way for you to produce content and you're creating yeah. this micro content on this platform in a way that people weren't even thinking about. Because I mean I've seen plenty of those one minute, you know, videos, how to bake a mm-hmm, cake in mm-hmm. a minute and all those things. But I yeah. you know, you're the first person that I have seen and came up with a creative hashtag for making this um this new way of interacting on Instagram into a tutorial. And I mean, how long have these swipe things been out? Like a month and you've already created a, an additional content stream there. And I think yeah, I'm pretty neat. excited about it. I'm pretty excited about it. If for no other reason than like you said, I'm, I'm excited that the idea kind of grew into an actionable plan that then was born on Instagram and now seems to be working and gets people engaged. So um, swipe tutorials, the hashtag swipe tutorials is something I created. Um, like you said, maybe about a month after the swipe feature appeared on Instagram, because I was, you know, one of the things is it's very hard when you're engaging a community of people on one network or one, um, social media channel, it's very hard to have a call to action that gets them off that channel and over to another one. So like you said, I will, I will remind people on Instagram, come over to Facebook and watch my Facebook live. But once they're on Instagram, they're kind of like, I'm just on Instagram. I'm cool. I'll stay over here for a while. I'm not necessarily going to take the effort and the time that it takes to click another app right now. Um, so I was trying to think of a way that how can I engage the people on Instagram with what I do and just let them stay on Instagram? Cause that's what they want to do anyway. Um, and so that's where swipe tutorials came from. You don't have to leave the app. You can just see the tutorial right there on Instagram. And hopefully that kind of encourages you to check out all the other stuff that I'm doing. And even if it doesn't, that's fine. It's cool. You can stay here and check it out. That's fine. Well, I'll give you what you want and we'll stay on Instagram and do it. Um, so yeah, I, I love, I love how it's been going. It's been going really well. And my hope is that I can keep doing them and bring more and more cool projects um, to Instagram. And, I, you know, a couple of people have already caught on to it. So maybe maybe the other people will do it, too. But that's not really that important to me. I just want to keep getting people inspired. And if Swipe Tutorials does it, then that'll work for me. Innovative craft superstar. <laughs> I mean, like, you're just, you're just hitting all the, the key points. So I know at this point, you know, people were sharing your story. We're talking about some of the things that you're doing to stay ahead. But what about someone who's out there listening and thinking like, this is great for you, but this is not possible for me. Like, what would you say to that person? Um, so 
it gets very overwhelming sometimes. I know, I know, because I'm I'm in the thick of it, and I know that sometimes if you hear what I'm saying, um, it feels like, well, how am I supposed to do all these things? Because how am I supposed to create videos and do Facebook Live and do swipe tutorials and do Instagram stories and take care of my own blog? That is a lot of things to do, and I totally get it, and I agree with you. It is a lot to do, and it's a lot to expect of, of one person. So if if you're kind of starting out, I would I would really um, focus on how do you create the content that's authentic to you in whatever whatever channel it's going to be. I don't you know I would I would recommend having a blog kind of as your home base at all times. But if it's going to be Instagram, see how you're going to create authentic, consistent content on Instagram and do that and let let that grow kind of organically, um, you know, be strategic in what you share and how you, how you hashtag it and all of those kind of businessy, um, strategies that you'll have to use, but start small knowing that over time you can grow. Um, because I've, because I've gotten pretty well versed at doing all the other things like managing my blog and managing my social media accounts this year, I felt comfortable adding in things like video and swiptorials because I already, had a, a good experience with, with the other forms of content that I create. Don't try to do it all at once because you will quickly burn out and then you won't want to do it at all ever anymore. And I think that's very solid advice because it, there are so many things. I mean, that's those are things that people email me all the time. Like, how do you do it all? How do you market it? How do you create content and stay consistent? And how do you tweet? And how do you Pinterest? And how do you do all of these things? And I'm like, I don't. I don't like yeah. only the ones that I, I really like. And like you said, adding on things as you've gotten proficient with other things is really how you make sure you kind of cover your bases. Right. And I will say uh, kind of as a, as, as a basic rule of thumb, um, I'm very almost like crazy about keeping a, um, a rather meticulous editorial calendar. Um, I actually did a Facebook live about it maybe a month or two ago about tips for how I keep my editorial calendar. Um, because I can't remember anything. I can't remember, like there's too many things going on at one point in time for me to try to remember any of it. And I don't even try, I write it down. And as long as it's written down, it will get done. But my editorial calendar is basically the Bible of how this business runs. If it's not up to date and if it's not current, then the business is not functioning efficiently. So I do think that that's an important thing to have as kind of the basis of what you do is either, whether it be an Excel spreadsheet, I use a paper and pencil planner because I like that, but um, keeping, keeping a good log of what you have coming up and what you've done and all of your tasks and to-do lists in one place is key for me to make sure that all of these moving parts make sense and get finished. And I think that's solid advice. So we're kind of getting to the end here. Um, I want to. Oh ask, my gosh! I know, so right? fast. It goes by. <laughs> it really goes by. Um, it's crazy. <clears throat> but that's what happens when you have good guests and you're in a, a group. And it's and, and when you get to talk about something you just love. So it's, I could talk about this all day. <laughs> I agree. All right. So <laughs> I want to kind of round things out with the Pimp Your Brilliance Action Challenge. So that is you offering three pieces of advice, tips, something that someone who's interested in DIY blogging, what can they do to get started or get on the right foot now? 
if you want to get started, my first recommendation would be um, take some time and kind of just browse the internet to see who's doing things that you love and what is it that you love about what they're doing and kind of make your own, take from that and make your own list of what you, what your, your online presence would look like, you know, um, so that you have a good idea of what your, what your aesthetic would be, what kind of stories you want to tell, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. And from there, you can then kind of have a jumping off point for what you want. It's almost like a checklist um, of, of things that you want to have for your own brand or your blog or whatever. <clears throat> um, I would, my, my, other, my other suggestion is if you're planning on starting any type of blog, before you even publish the blog, I would have three weeks worth of content planned and ideally completed. Um, I actually, when I rebranded Damask Love, I took about a month off and just created content. The blog just sat there dormant and I took a month and created content. And to this day that has allowed me to work three weeks ahead of time all the time. So I'm not, I'm not rushed anymore. Not creating stuff the very, very last minute. Typically, I mean, from time to time it happens, but I would take some time get yourself three weeks of content planned and, um, ready to go. And that way you'll kind of always have, you'll be working ahead of the game. Um, all right. So my last tip for, for anyone who wants to get started in blogging would be do your best, do your best. And I, this is hard because I struggle with it. Do your best to not get caught up with what everybody else is doing on the internet. Because man, there are times I have to put myself on like, the, the, for some reason, the thing that really gets me and like that will put me into like a funk is watching other people's Instagram stories. Um, so sometimes I have to go on like I'm on timeout from Instagram stories and I am not allowed to watch other people's Instagram stories. Um, and I think maybe that's the reason when I do my Instagram stories, I do my very best to just keep it 100 percent real. Like if I come to the studio look at a hot mess, then that's just what you get. And <laughs> Cause I don't want, I don't want it to feel overly styled in a way that makes other people feel like, Oh, she's got it all together because while I do have it together in a lot of ways, trust me, I'm plenty mess. Plenty, uh, I don't even know if that makes sense, but I'm, I'm, I do not have it together all the time and I, I want to share that side. And so Instagram stories is how I do it, but do your best to not compare yourself to everyone else because there's just, there's too many talented people out there for you to get caught up in not being like someone else. Um, do what you do because it's great and know that. Um, here's And actually in, in that vein, I hope – I'm sorry, Monique. I'm like the most talkative person ever. No, I but, love it. Keep um, going. <laughs> the, one of the things – one of the things I've kind of trained myself to do, which has helped tremendously, is whenever I post something, it's especially on Instagram – when I post something on Instagram and you kind of inevitably are waiting for the, the likes to roll in to see, oh, is this going to be a good one or is this not going to be a good one? <laughs> I, in my head, have trained myself. Um, if I have a post that goes up, I only post stuff that I love. So if people don't like it, I kind of just think to myself, oh, well, they just have bad taste. <laughs> like, I'm like... And I'm like, well, they must just not like awesome if they didn't like this one. And that way it takes away the responsibility from me. It makes me feel I'm less hard on myself about it. Um, and really, because if, if I'm posting things I love and other people don't like it, well then, okay. 
maybe that we just didn't have the same taste today, but I still really like it. So even if it didn't get that many likes, that's okay. And I feel like I've ingrained that in my head so much that when something doesn't perform on, on any, in any measure, whether it be my blog or Instagram or somewhere else, I kind of don't take it personally anymore. It's just like, uh, well, you guys don't like cool things. <laughs> and you know what? I think that is, <laughs> that is the best advice because everybody struggles with that. People talk, I talk to people all the time. They're like, you got it so together. And I'm like, you don't know my life, man. No, you should no, see my kitchen no. sometimes. I yeah, I know. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. My house sometimes is like, I should do an Instagram stories on that because it's it's a hot mess. But, you know, <laughs> just kind of keep it. It's just trying to, I try to keep it as real as I can. So, you know, that it's not it's not like one of the things I love to say is my my life does not have the white balance that you see in my photos. Like <laughs> my life is dingy and gray and Photoshop is my, is my savior and allows me to share beautiful images. But if you just see it on an, any, any regular day, it doesn't look like that. Um, my job, my job is to make beautiful things and make you want to make them. So I edit them to do that. Um, but if you just catch me on a regular day, it's probably the same yoga pants for four days in a row. If we're being honest. <laughs> and you know what? I, I think that that's a fair point. Um, our lives aren't filtered like they are on Instagram. And so I, I think that is awesome and solid advice. And oh my gosh, thank you so much for doing this because I feel like yeah! you share so much insight and, and really speak to the essence of people pimping your brilliance. So if listeners want to get in contact with you or follow you or anything, um, where can they find you online? So it's, I'm Damask Love on every channel and everything. So it's D-A-M-A-S-K-L-O-V-E.com is the website. And then for all social media, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, or Instagram, um, you can find me. It's at Damask Love. So it's pretty easy. I can't wait to, um, to meet some of your, your people. Like, I hope, I hope we kind of get this like cross-pollination happening. I hope so. So, guys, if you go and follow her, make sure you let her know that the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast sent you over there. So yeah. she knows. And you guys definitely go show her some love because she's great. And her Insta stories are hilarious to me. So um, <laughs> I think you guys would, would really get a kick out of her. And she, she's just awesome at what she does. So um, make sure you check her out. And with that, you know, this concludes our episode of the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast. Again, I'm your host, Monique Malcolm. And today's special guest was Amber of The Mask Love. And you guys be awesome. Be brilliant. And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. As always, you can find out more about this show by visiting KeepChasingTheStars.com or finding me on Instagram at StarChasersOnly. I'll be back next week. And in the meantime, go out there and pimp your brilliance.